So, uh, happy Valentine's Day, right? It's Valentine's Day. Thank you for being with us this morning. I hope at some point today you snuggle up with someone that you love, and, if, and as long as you're married. And if you're not married, make sure you leave room for the Holy Spirit, you know, like... <laughs> Awesome. Well, Mission Church, let's dive in. I'm, I'm so glad to be with you this morning. Um, we are beginning a new sermon series this morning called Radical Generosity. And this series is something that has been brewing in my heart for a while. And I believe the Lord has inspired it and wants to deeply impact our church with this concept of generosity. Now, the trouble with preaching on generosity, is that whenever somebody mentions the word generosity in church, everybody bolts for the door, right? It's like, you might be sitting there thinking, oh man, it's that time of year again, the church must need the carpets cleaned or something, you know, and, the, and we don't even have carpets except for like right here. So I, I think the reason why so many churchgoers jump to that conclusion when the word generosity comes up is because too many times... We have limited the conversation about generosity to getting people to give so we can keep the church lights on, right? And this is not what this series is about. I want you to, I want to be very upfront about that. Yes, we, you know, if if you've been a part of our church for a while, you, we, you know, we have some financial concerns here at the church and one week very soon we may have to have our services with daylight only, but, um, (laughs) but the thing is, is, is when I was spending time with the Lord praying about, you know, our, our, our finances and stuff like that, I, I was just praying about it because I'm fairly new to this, this lead role. I've never been like the money guy, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how to address that kind of stuff. And so, um, so I was spending time with the Lord and I was just asking him how I should address it. And, and he said, you know what? You're thinking way too small about it. Like, you're just, you're, you're thinking, like this big, like you, you need to allow me to inspire a culture of bigger generosity in the people of the mission. And you know what? If you allow me to do that, you won't have to worry about the light staying on. And so I believe, as always, God is right. Um, and in the church, you know, I feel like so many times we've relegated this conversation about generosity to such a small place. Last uh, last Father's Day, I want to tell you about this. Last Father's Day, my wife and boys gave me a hammock for Father's Day, like the greatest Father's Day gift ever, right? I always wanted a hammock. And so, um, you know, the first thing I did was, like, go out in the backyard and, like, take a nap, because like, that's, like, the dad dream, right? You, you go out in the backyard and take a nap in the, in the hammock. But in the evenings after all of them would go to bed, sometimes, like, I, w- I would go out to the hammock and and... You know, I would just stare up at the stars and on a clear night, you know, it would be like awe-inspiringly beautiful, right? Like so many stars. And so I would do what social media has trained me to do, right? Like take a picture of it with my phone, right? So, um, but, but I would look at this beautiful starry night through my iPhone screen right and and it just became straight up ordinary right nothing at all special about it right just a black sky but when i would raise my head up from my phone right and 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 look at the sky with my own two eyes that awe-inspiring feeling would come again 
And in the church, this is what we tend to do to generosity. We look at it through an iPhone lens, right? And it becomes completely boring and ordinary. But if we lift up our heads and expand our view of what generosity truly is meant to be, it can be completely life-changing and awe-inspiring. And that is the kind of generosity that we want to be a part of as the mission church, right? So God himself the father, is the father of generosity. Not only did he give us life by creating us in his own image out of dust and breathing the breath of life into us, but think about what the Bible verse is that so many people learn as a brand new believer. Heck, even non-believers know this Bible verse. Like, I'll give you a hint. It's in the book of John. Right? Any guesses? John 3.16, right? John 3.16 boldly proclaims that God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave, right? And He gave the thing that was most precious to Him. His one and only son. Now what does that tell you about generosity? You might, before you even answer, you might think, uh, first, it's going to cost me something. And it may be something of value. And, and, and you know what? That, that's true. But the first thing that John 3.16 points out to us is that God gave because he loved the world. And not just loved the world, he so loved the world, right? And so is one of the most overused words in social media right now, especially on Monday mornings. Like, my feeds are filled with people saying, like, I so don't want to go to work today, or I so need some coffee, which I can relate to, or... Or how about this one? I so wish the kids could drive themselves to school today. Like, that would be so awesome. Well, hear this, people. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Right? And whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God just didn't love the world. He so loved the world, right? He, that he gave. So the first thing that John 3.16 points out to us is that generosity itself is the overflow of love. That's why God gave. And that's where generosity begins for us today. So let me ask you this. So do, do you so love the world? When you walk the streets of Redlands or, where, or wherever your hometown is, do you, does your heart fill with compassion for the people? You might be thinking, yeah, of course it does. My heart breaks for people all the time that I see, but I'm just one person. Like, what could I possibly offer that could make a difference? And that is exactly the question we're going to look for an answer to in the Scriptures today. And I believe this Scripture will cause us to rethink what we have to bring to the table. So... Go ahead and turn with me to Mark chapter 6, verses 30 through 44. 
Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30. As you're turning there, I'll give you a little backstory on where we are in Mark. Jesus has been traveling around Galilee, right? And, and Galilee is a section of Israel. And uh, he's been healing people left and right. And Jesus taught, has taught all kinds of different people through preaching and parables. And he even took on 12 apprentices, right? And, and Jesus began to teach and train these 12 men in all his ways. And after they'd been together for a while, he sent them out two by two. Um, but before they left, Jesus gave them authority over unclean spirits. And as they entered these villages the men began to cast out demons and heal the sick. And where we pick up our scripture today is, is when the twelve apostles uh, returned to Jesus from the villages they had ministered in. So let's read Mark chapter 6, starting at verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and, returned, and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, Jesus, then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourself to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away with, by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and, and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed... And saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. And by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wage. Are we going to go spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on, on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks, and he broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the, to the disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. And the number of the men who had eaten was five thousand. So let's set the scene a little bit of that scripture. So you have Jesus, um, Jesus' disciples returning from ministry, like I said earlier. Jesus had sent them to, to do uh, some ministry in nearby villages and you may have noticed in verse 30 that the Bible refers to the disciples as the 12, the 12 apostles, which literally translates to mean one sent, as in like messenger or authorized agent or missionary. And so the 12 disciples have returned to Jesus after doing lots of ministry, and no doubt Jesus had still been ministering and teaching while they were gone. The Bible tells us that 
they were they were surrounded by so many people coming and going that it, they couldn't even get a moment to eat. And so Jesus says, let's go to a quiet place and get some rest, right? And they get in a boat and head off to a secluded place. But the word about Jesus and who he was rumored to be was rapidly spreading. So much so that people had begun to follow him wherever he went. And, and this was true in this moment as well, because when the boat arrived, there was a great crowd of people there to meet him, and, which was not exactly what the disciples had in mind, right? And, and they were tired and just wanted to recharge, which is like totally, you know, the thing to do, like understandable. But, but Jesus, in yet another moment of compassion, begins teaching them again. See, these people were hearing many of these teachings from Jesus for the first time. And, and as it's well documented, at the time, Jesus' teachings were revolutionary. So the Bible says that Jesus had compassion on these people because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And what they mean by that is the people were vulnerable, right? Sheep are easily scattered and need protection from their shepherd. So Jesus wanted to make sure they were protected from straying. So he continues to teach them many things. And I'm sure the disciples were thrilled about that because the Bible says Jesus taught them many things. And that's code for he taught a long time. <laughs> and so... Uh, so much so that it was getting late in the day. And, and remember, they were in a secluded place, right? Away from most of their homes. And the disciples began to worry about the crowd being hungry. and Or maybe they were just worried that their hunger was going to turn to hanger, right? And, and, um, and so they, they finally come to Jesus with their concern in verse 35. And, and, uh, and this is... Uh, So in verse 35, this is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And Jesus responds with this revolutionary idea, like totally, right? Just totally mind-blowing. He says in verse 37, he answers, you give them something to eat. And as we've already mentioned, this is a large crowd. Jesus says to his disciples, you feed them. This must have been, this must have seemed like completely ludicrous to the disciples. They must have been thinking like, Jesus, we're out here following you, man. Like, like going from place to place, relying on strangers to help take care of us. You know, we don't have like a chicken stuffed in our robe or something like how how on earth are we going to feed all these people, right? So, how do the disciples respond to Jesus' bold statement? Well, they respond like many of us respond when, when the Lord tells us to do something irrational. They rationalize it away, right? They say in verse 37, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much money on bread and give it to them to eat? They're trying to rationalize it away by saying, Jesus, that doesn't seem very wise. What would Dave Ramsey have to say about that? Like, see, see, that doesn't seem very wise of us to spend that much money on feeding this one group of people when we could just send them away, right? But money 
Money was never, never what Jesus had in mind in the first place. The disciples were worried about how much it was going to cost to feed all these people, but what they were forgetting is that they are standing in the presence of the provider. Money was never what Jesus had in mind. So, so Jesus, in verse 38, says to them, How many loaves do you have? And he doesn't even wait for them to respond, which I love. He, he just like, no, not another dumb question. No, not another statement. Just like, just go see. Just go, go see how many loaves you have. The disciples come back with five loaves of bread and two fish. And the retelling of this event in the Gospel of John gives us the detail that the loaves and fish came from a little boy. And they brought all this food, they brought all the food this little boy had to Jesus. And he directed the disciples to have the people sit on the grass and gather in groups of hundreds and fifties, which tells you how large this crowd was, right? And though the disciples did as they were asked, I'm I'm, I'm like positive they were thinking, but um, Jesus, like, this isn't enough, like, I mean... Peter could eat this by himself. Like, you've seen that guy eat, right? Like, they, they, they had to be thinking that. But, but they did what they were told. They grouped the people together in large groups. And in verse 41, Jesus, taking the five loaves and two fish, was not, which was not nearly enough to feed 5,000. Now, the Bible says there's, that there were 5,000 men fed that day, which means that the number of people were actually over 5,000 because you have women and children and all, all kinds of people. So, I mean, literally, the number could have been double, right? It was a large, 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 large group. And so in verse 41, Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. No matter how much or how little you have, never forget to give thanks for it. Jesus models that here. Jesus gave thanks for the food they had, broke it, and then told the disciples to distribute it to the crowd. And in verse 42 says says this like amazing thing. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. Some of the other Gospels say that all the people ate until they were full. What an incredible story. Because of a generous little boy who brought his lunch to Jesus... Everybody got to eat, right? That's an incredible story. And not only did everyone get to eat, but they got to eat until they were full. And not only that, they had 12 baskets of food left over after feeding well over 5,000 people. So, as we let that story just kind of sink in for a minute, the question that comes to my mind after examining this story, is why? Why did Jesus choose to feed this massive group of people in this way? We know that God could have dropped like manna from the sky. I mean, it didn't have to be manna. Like it could have been like Roscoe's chicken and waffles for all I care. But like, I, I mean, God can do anything he wants. But why did he choose this way? And I think the answer to the question has to do more with what we can bring to the table. We know what God can bring, right? 
I believe the reason why Jesus chose to do it this way was because God wanted us to know that what He has already given us, however much or little, will always be enough if we place it in His hands. Because that's always the reason why people give for not being more generous, right? It's, it's that they don't have enough. It's that I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough like long-term security. Let me tell you something. If you are a believer, you need to redefine that word enough and figure out just when enough is enough. Because all, because our security isn't supposed to come from our bank account, right? It's supposed to come from the one who created the depths of the universe, but still knows us by name. See, the things in this life that we hold on to so tight, that make us feel secure, are fleeting. The only security that is lasting comes from the Father. What if when the little boy was asked for the food that he had, he said, no. No, I, I can't. This is all the food my family has with us, and if I, and if I give it to you, um, then we won't have anything to eat. Or what if the disciples just overlooked the little boy because they could see logically that what he had to offer wasn't big enough to work with? But the little boy said yes. A little boy gave up all the food he had without knowing what was going to happen and Jesus multiplied his generosity. The little boy gave what he had. The disciples gathered up what they could and because they placed it in the hands of Jesus, it was more than enough. When we hold on so tightly to the things God has already given us, we miss the opportunity for God to do something incredible with it. Radical generosity is living with an open hand saying, Lord, take things out. Put them in as you see fit because it all belongs to you anyways. Because a little boy shared his lunch, everyone got to eat. So the question is, are you building up fences around what God has already given you? Or are you building a bigger table to share it from? Last week at our three-year anniversary celebration at church, I asked you all to dream God-sized dreams with me. And, and man, the results were like super incredible. I just like was walking through this room all week just looking at them. And, 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 and it was just incredible. And it's not too late. You know, if you have a God-sized dream that God has placed in your heart, write it out and hang it up on the wall. We're going to leave them hanging up for a little, little while longer. Just because God is, is brewing big things in the hearts of the people at the mission. Um, and the thing about God-sized dreams is that we can't accomplish them on our own. Because God wouldn't give you a dream that you don't need Him for, right? Then it would, wouldn't be a God-sized dream. I think getting started chasing after a dream can be the hardest part, right? Um, whatever your dream is, I think just taking that first step is one of the hardest things. And, but the truth is, what God has already given you is enough to get started. 
I remember when I was young and had the dream of being a guitar player and just like my three uncles were and and it was hard it was the hardest thing getting started like even getting my hands on a guitar to practice when I didn't own one was like the hardest thing and and like did anyone in the room ever dream of being a guitar player uh Mikey come here come here dude I just met Mikey earlier. So here. Throw that on there. Come over here. Alright, so, whoa. Sorry. There we go. Alright, so, now it's the right link. So, okay, so... Take, take that in that hand, so, yep, just like that, and then, like, put this finger here, there, and then this, yeah, those two there, right, and now strum. Boom, you're a guitar player. Right? Dream come true. Just kidding, man. So, I want you to take that with you. So... There you go. Keep playing all the way. All the way. Keep it going. Keep it going. <laughs> Not only does God want to partner with us to achieve the, dream, the God-sized dreams He's placed in our heart, but when we're a part of a community doing life together like the mission, we have the privilege of going after these dreams together. But I guarantee whatever your God-sized dream is that God has placed in your heart, He's already supplied you with enough to get started. As long as you place it in His hands, right? That's the important part. What we have is enough in His hands, not in our hands. Right? Are you with me? Are you tracking? God multiplied the generosity of one little boy so thousands of people could eat. And I promise that if you loosen up that grip on the things God has already given you, the things that you could bring to the table, and you rethink how the Lord may want you to use it, He will use it in radical ways. In ways that you never even dreamed of. Because bringing what we have to give to our Father in faith, even if it doesn't seem like much, we honor the One who gave us life. So when you leave today, may the Lord grant you eyes to see the needs around you and set the fire of radical generosity ablaze in your heart. Because in the hands of the Father, what you have to give is more than enough. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, we thank You for this this example that You set, Lord, that, Father, even though the food You had was not nearly enough to feed the amount of people that were there, Lord, that You gave thanks, Lord. 
Lord, let us never forget to give thanks for what You have already provided us, God. God, loosen our grips on the things that we have, God. The things that we can bring to the table, Lord. Let us live in this this life with open hands, God. So You can put things in and take them out as You see fit, Lord, because it all belongs to You, Lord. Father, we love You. And as the ushers come forward, God, we pray over our offering, Lord. Father, John 3.16, Lord, You gave not because You um, were required to, Lord. You gave because You loved, Lord. And You gave because Your love you, you so loved, Father. Lord, so let us not give out of obligation. Lord, let us give out of the overflow of love today, God. Father, we love You. We thank You that what You have given us in Your hands is already enough, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray.